And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always telling the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome back to a shorthanded version of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. It's, like Tim Kawakami said uh, before the podcast, it's a little Warriors All 82 throwback edition. You know, like we're like we're sitting in Shea Center on the on the um, I guess sidelines, which I don't know. Next time we're going to be doing that, but but let's pretend like we are. <laughs> Yeah, we'll harken back to the glory days of uh, November 2019, back when we could be were allowed in arenas and the Warriors were losing. But uh, we're without Steph Curry, we're, we're without Draymond Green, we're, we're without Clay Thompson, without, without our stars, Marcus Thompson and Ethan Strauss are out. So it's me and Slater. We're the G League guys plugging in. We're, we're plugging in. We're about everybody. to go 15 we're... and 50. That's not good. <laughs> we're going to earn a really good draft pick and maybe get the, the next good, really good podcaster available. And then draft Marcus Thompson for next week's podcast. <laughs> hey, no, money's too much. He's uh, salary cap's not going to fit. He's not not going to fit into 17.2 million. So we'll do it. Slater and I are just going to talk through some stories that we're planning on. I think you, you'll probably hear some echoes of what we're talking about in our next few pieces, but that's okay. That's that works too. We can kind of figure it out as we're going stuff's going on with the Warriors so I like it we got stuff to talk about yeah I mean it's been such a strange time for an NBA team particularly one that went to the finals five straight years and just the compact nature of 100 plus games in a season and then pretty much every time the end of the season is like hey drafts in like six days you know hopefully you're prepared and then drafts over big free agency we're KD, the last four years, has been a story going into free agency for the Warriors. That's no longer the case. But they just, for the last, what, I'm trying to do the math here, I think it's about seven, over seven months, nearly eight months right now. Even if they wanted to make a decision, they haven't. I mean, what's the biggest franchise decision they made? Like hiring Barbosa and Livingston? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not a lot. Yeah, let's, let's just not a lot. They couldn't do it. You're right. They, they couldn't meet prospects. They couldn't negotiate with free agents. And that's, they still can't. For, for a little while. The draft's not till November 18. But then it's all going to be a rush, right? The season could start December 22nd, which means they go to camp in early December, which means the free agency stuff's going to basically start and go to camp. And maybe some free agents are going to sign during camp. This has happened before in some of these, you know, strikes shortened, lockout shortened seasons. For us, it's, uh, you know, it, the dynamic is nothing, 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 everything. So that's all right. You know, we've talked about this before. We did okay during the nothing. We survived it. Wrote some stories, thought of some things, looked at their future. And now it all kind of, and I think they did the same. The Warriors would have had to do the same. Get into some rooms and whiteboard out some, you know, different situations, scenarios. 
we've all talked about them, and now they do the process of meeting with players, working out players for the draft, figuring out what they're going to do with that number two. And that obviously goes hand in hand with what they're going to do or what they hope to do in free agency. So we're beginning to see that. We're beginning to see some of the, you know, the, some of the things being talked about. You know, Ethan and Marcus, the two guys who are not on the show, reported last week that Ethan reported that they'd worked, you know, Kerr and Lacob and, and Myers, you know, worked out Danny Avija, went to Atlanta, worked out Danny Avija, which doesn't look like a number two overall pick. Interesting, you know, that cast of characters is their top line. You know, it's not like a feint if you bring out those guys. And then Marcus Thompson reported a day later that they also worked out James Wiseman, who I think most of us think that's who they're going to end up taking, and Anthony Edwards in Miami, I guess it was. So interesting combination of things. Lots of other things popping out here and there. But Slater, you read those stories. You you talk to them. What do you think we learned just from that kind of late last week flurry of information? They are, I think, taking the in-person aspect of this probably like the most serious they were the ones i mean again this is the team we talk to the most it's not like i'm you know have super in-depth sources on the atlanta hawks and the minnesota timberwolves but you know behind the scenes really for months their decision makers were like man we really hope we get an in-person you know option here and they finally did and so much so that mid-pandemic they're flying to the east coast which is not an easy thing to do right now which is not like a simple low stress thing to do right now and it was interesting how those reports rolled out like avija coming first and you're like wow like that's kind of says something that they would go all the way to atlanta for him but then it was like you know as you talk to more people as marcus then comes out with the report of it was a you know who was on the flight but not only that they were on the east coast to also see Edwards and Wiseman, it made a lot more sense. Like, yeah, Favija's in Atlanta. Might as well see him while you're in Miami to see, you know, the bigger names. I mean, it's smart due diligence in it. Look, everything can be a smokescreen at this time of year. But I think what it really signals to me is they believe they're probably going to have to use the pick, which I've been thinking for a while now because the two pick just doesn't hold the same value it might in a draft that had a Zion Williamson and a John Morant. I just don't see a trade coming onto their table before draft night that makes them go, you know what, we should move off this. Like, don't get me wrong, they would if something came to the table that made sense to, but I just, why would it this year? Why, if you're another team, would you offer something so good that the Warriors can't pass it up? Because to me, that's only really like a mid twenty superstar and the number two pick's part of a package to get that. If they're ever going to get a trade offer, they have to express interest in all the top guys, right? I mean, you can't just say, here's what we're taking. Then you could trade, you know, you got to have teams not sure what you're going to do. So if they want, you know, Wiseman, they got to deal with the Warriors. Or if they want Edwards, they got to deal with the Timberwolves or the Warriors. They can't think, okay, we could just deal with the team behind the Warriors or deal, you know, let them slide and we'll sit there and we'll get somebody at six. You know, at some point, if you're trying to gin up interest in the number two pick, you do have to express strong interest in multiple players. I don't think it's a lie to say when they were impressed by these guys, they're probably impressive guys. But you also want you don't want to walk out. Like, okay, we know the Warriors aren't taking you know X because then that clarifies what teams can or you know want to do to trade around them. So that's part of the process. Hey, there's a goal slater. Let's get aggregated by something today, right? Let, let's do that. That's a fun thing to do with the Warriors now is just aggregate everything. So we'll figure out a way to get aggregated. We'll pop up on some of these websites with something we say today. Take that, Ethan and Marcus. Or maybe we'll get aggregated ripping Ethan and Marcus. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's the best way to get aggregated. No, uh, what's interesting is what this does for the Wolves, right? I think the Wolves like the Warriors' current 
interested in everyone type approach. Particularly, let's just take the Hornets, for example. At number three, need a center. Seem to have interest in James Wiseman. The fact that, like, at this point, you got to believe there's a very solid chance they take Wiseman. But even if it's the Hornets or the Bulls, let's say, at four, and they love a visa or something, you're like, well, it's, I guess it's possibly won't be at four. And to me, that ups the leverage of the Wolves at one. Because you can sit there and go, if you want to jump the Warriors, you know, come talk to us. This isn't necessarily a draft where those top two picks, one or two, have had much value. But the only trades I see potentially on draft night are mini flips, where you get a future asset and flip down a few picks. I don't see any seismic trades happening. But And I guess that brings us to the Warriors. Do you see any trade down a little bit possibilities? There are prospects that they're interested in, just they don't seem like number two overall prospects. That would be the Avija, right? I mean, if you're looking at Halliburton it logically. Too. I, I, I know that they yeah, do. They, yeah. they have interest in Halliburton. Again, I guess being aggregated, the Warriors have interest in <laughs> a ninth prospect. But, I mean, he, he very much makes sense to them as a rotation piece. The problem is that's not a guy you use the second overall pick on. Better not take him at two. You know, there's a lot of people who whose names have, quote-unquote, been mentioned with the Warriors. Uh, and... They are not taking it too. They are not taking them at two. It's somebody they might be interested at eight, or somebody that they kind of like anyway. And they they're scouting. You, you scout everybody, but you're not taking you know X player. I don't want to rip reports here or rip leaks or rip whatever people are commenting on. I'm going to talk about what we've reported on, which I feel very confident about. Is that I think you know there's three top players. It's Edwards, Ball, and Wiseman, and the Warriors have the second pick. And it's in their interest, as you mentioned, it's in Timberwolves' interest to show interest in all three of them. Just to, you know, the muddy the water if teams are moving around talking to either the Warriors or the Timberwolves for a trade or possibly going to do that. Just because so you're not, you're not certain of where you have to go. And that just increases the leverage of the teams involved. Okoro, Onyoku, we, get, you know, we, we can various names. They're not taking them at two, but... I could see them flipping back for one, you know, somebody they really like and getting a, a you know, a, a key young starter, a 26-year-old starter they can plug in and say so this guy can help us now and can help us, you know, in the post Steph Curry era. You know, that's theoretically what Wiggins is we'll, we'll see on that. But we've talked about this. You get two good players and you're not certain that you're going to land a star at two. Moving back isn't terrible. You got to look, you got to see, man, Wait, listen, we really, really actually do love a V-Jump. It was almost a tie with Wiseman. Then you move back for him because you don't need to take him at two. You move back to six or whatever it is. They're in that process. So if it comes out that they're interested in, in 20 players, they probably are interested in 20 players at different spots in the draft, at different landing places. There's probably, you know, eight feasible landing places for them in this draft varying with the trade offers, varying with who's out there, varying with what they think this, they can do in free agency. So that's why you get these spot little reports here and there, where if they're true or not, beyond the fact that I think they like those three players. They could take one of those three players at two. We all know what the best fit is with their roster. It's Wiseman. But they could go different ways. You, you could talk yourself into Anthony Edwards. I wouldn't take him if I was them. Edwards plus Wiggins seems to me like incredibly duplicative and in a way that they don't love. <laughs> you know, if you and I both know this team, you know, they, there's some things they don't love about Wiggins and, and Edwards would just multiply that in a lot of ways. 
But I could talk myself into it just saying he's the Ross talent. He's a guy who can go score. Steph Curry at some point isn't going to score 25 a game. You're going to need somebody who can do that. And so you can talk yourself into it. The talent. There's there. a chance he's the best player from this draft. Four years from now, there's a chance he's clearly the best player from this draft. Now, there's also a chance he's fringe rotation. He's Deion Waiters. He's popping around but by age 25 minimum by minimum across the league because he shoots 39% overall or something. I'll put it this way. He might be the guy most likely to sign a second contract that's max value. I would put it that way. But that doesn't mean he's going to. <laughs> it's a weak it's a weak class. But he, you know, he could be a Bradley Beal kind of player. That's who I, I see a little bit in my mind. And that's a pretty good player. Now, also, yeah, you mentioned Deion Waiters. You mentioned, you know, there's some other lower tier things. And I think the Wiggins thing would scare me a lot. Because you just don't want two players like that on the court at the same time. You just don't. That's not a, That's not the way you win basketball games. And we've seen a lot of teams that have tried to throw that out there. The Wizards might be one of them. And the Warriors don't want to be the Wizards. The Warriors play their way. But, yeah, for value, for a guy who can do NBA stuff, I don't disagree. I just don't like to fit for them. It's the same way with Ball. Although Ball might fit them a little more just because of the size and the passing ability. But again, you're going to put him and Wiggins on the floor together. Ball yeah, is a yeah, project. I mean, yeah. As I've written, is Steve Kerr going to play him in the last six minutes of a playoff game in Oklahoma City or in you know in L.A.? If I were to rank the three of most likely as a rookie to be in a closing lineup at least occasionally. I'm not saying closing every night. But, you know, hey, he's, he's got it tonight. I would say Wiseman won just because positionally it would just if he's just like a good rim running center who can at least survive defensively in some matchups. Yeah, I can see him closing. I would say Edwards, too. And those would be the nights that he's on. Right. I mean, I feel like Edwards is going to be one of those. Hey, hey, he's mentally locked in tonight. The jumper's actually there tonight. Sure. Why not? He's got like 18 off the bench. And there will be some nights where it's like, you know, it's not even about closing. Like He's probably going to DNP, basically, after you see his first stint. But Ball, to me, would be three. I see visions of what could be a superstar, particularly as a brand, too, down the road. But I just feel like like that is going to be low efficiency. That's going to be really trying to like teach him the professional ropes. Uh, which is interesting because his his brother came in as such a to me was like a low ceiling high floor type like point guard prospect and he's kind of lived up to that where he's just solid i don't know his brother's different this is intel gathering season though you know with a lot of this are the warriors going to make the trade or not the trades aren't necessarily on the table yet the final offers there's a reason why the trade deadline every year you know there's occasionally one or two trades in the week leading up but there's like seven at the deadline in the last hour before the deadline and that's to me similar to what's going on right now where people are like you know are the should the warriors make the trade or not they need to decide if they are going to make the trade well the offers aren't really on the table the best offers aren't necessarily on the table right now so right now the best thing they can do is intel gather see who they would like to take at certain spots as we were talking about you know who would they take at eight if they if an offer presented themselves to move back between eight and ten who would they take it you know 17 or whatever if if they're going to move that far back because they're getting a really good player into the trade exception, something like that. They just need to get a very good Intel view of the landscape of who might go where, who they like where. And then to me, draft night is where the real offers are going to come on the table. And that's when they need to 
decide whether to pull the lever for a trade or hey you know what we've decided we like Wiseman enough Edwards enough whoever whoever they think is going to be available at two or whoever is available at two and that's when they make the decision draft night you talk about intelligence season this is also them figuring out what's available likely uh, in the trade exception situation and in free agency situation you could have had those conversations all the time and you don't know all right deadlines spur deals and you're not sure that I mentioned Bradley Beal. I don't know that he's going to be tradable, but he's a name that comes up a lot. You don't know that Bradley Beal's become available, but maybe you have some idea in what it would take to get Washington talking about him. There are other players out there that we could mention who know from the biggest, biggest, biggest targets to, to medium size. If you know you're going to get a center or you think you have a good center, maybe you, you go off a of Wiseman. I think you and I both don't anticipate that happening. Anticipate they don't know what they're going to do at center, so they take Wiseman. It would be the likeliest scenario at this point, but maybe you do. Maybe you know, you know, maybe Miles Turner's coming, you know, or maybe they think they have a shot at somebody else. Kelly Olynyk, that's it. That they're dead set on Kelly Olynyk. I would doubt that's what they are. Or Marcus Souls like sending them like you know a little flirtatious stuff behind <laughs> hey, the I scenes. I could sign for five million. That's fine by me. You know, whatever. You know, that mixes into what they might do with the draft pick. I think it has to. You know, you don't make any firm decisions on two based on what could happen but maybe you have you know we know Myers he's got deals upon deals upon deals ready to go he had the you know the Bogut and Barnes offloading uh, for Durant you know long before they ever had a yes from Durant I mean those deals were done just pending Durant's decision when they signed him they had to get rid of all these guys to clear space for him and they then they did it boom that's it so I think these things are all part of the juggle they're part of you know the whiteboard, they're part of, you know, speculation. They're doing it. They're theorizing. That's what they do. But the likeliest is, they, as you said, they don't get a, a trade that really wows them. They go with the player that fits them best, or they move back a little, and that's when you get the Avija, that's when you get Okoro, that's when you get some of the other guys. And then they see what they can do in, you know, in, in the free agent trade market. They need a wing, you know, right? I mean, if they take Wiseman, they better know they're going to get a wing somehow. And here's another question. I've not exactly heard rousing, you know, renditions of how Clay looked in the minicamp. Now, you know, we know he hadn't played forever. It's an ACL but this is a long time from the ACL. And we were hearing, he looks great, looks great. Angel workouts, he looks great, looks great. And he gets a minicamp. And I know Slater, have you heard even privately, wow, he did look like he could go right in? I have not heard that at all from, about him. Again, it's early. There's plenty of time for him. But I have not heard that he go, oh, man, that guy, he could play right away. I have not heard that. They played it safe with him. And I think a lot of the minicamp was to medically get him in with Celebrini, get the test going. Hey, like, what's the, you know, because they haven't really got their hands on him in so long. And I think it was like kind of trying to build a program. Because, I mean, we know Clay. When the season's not going on, Clay's tough to like get to call you back. Yes. <laughs> so I think there was some of that. I agree with you that it wasn't like that it was coming out like, ooh, but, you know, like text messages like, oh man, wait till the doors open and you see Clay Thompson 2.0. But every time I presented that idea to somebody, like, hey, like, is there some concern? It was like, no, Clay is going to be Clay. Like, we have so many other roster concerns right now than Clay Thompson. That was basically the message to me. Like, Clay isn't necessarily going to be game six, right? pre-injury where he was dominating Kawhi and the Raptors and like 30 in the third. Like, that's not going to be him opening night. But the thought process from them is like, he's going to be a top 10 shooting guard next season. Maybe that means. By month two is when he really gets into a rhythm, but there's a belief that Clay Thompson will pretty much be Clay Thompson 
by the time it matters next. And year. I think that's all fair, and I don't think it's wrong. It's just, what if he's mostly Clay Thompson on the shooting side, offensive side, but not on the defensive side? And in the past, you had, okay, Guadalupe could go guard that guy, could guard Harden, or Livingston could go guard Harden. You don't have those guys now, unless you draft somebody or unless you sign somebody. If Clay Thompson isn't guarding the best perimeter guy, then I guess it's Wiggins, but Wiggins is kind of needed to guard some of the bigger guys, too. So like, whether he's really a good defensive player or not, you know, I'll go with Ron Adams telling me that he really played some good defense for them, at least, but it's still questionable based on his NBA career. You don't want him to be your stopper. Andrew Wiggins can't be your stopper. He could be kind of like, hey, he's going to he's gonna take a lot of possessions today and he's going to be okay. Like, you need Clay Thompson to be your stopper in a set, particularly for the Hardens, the Lillards, you know, the guards in this league, where Wiggins, to me, is more of like a, you don't want Clay, particularly off the ACL, guarding Ka- Kawhi, LeBron yeah, for 30 Kawhi, minutes or Kawhi. Yeah, absolutely, no. To me, the big question heading into next year, I guess it's a question heading into this month as they try to build this roster, it's can they get back to even like fringe top 10 defensive levels? I don't think they're going to be a top three defense because I just don't know that they have the ingredients. And to me, that's a question, yes, about Clay Thompson's knee and if he can be who he used to be. It's more than anything, a question about Draymond Green, which we don't need to get too much into, but like, can he be defensive player of the year or near that Draymond Green or not? That's huge. And then it's about the rest of the roster. Do they build defensive components behind him? And, you know, that's part of Wiseman's appeal. I'm not saying he's going to be Rudy Gobert next year, but, you know, he at least has some physical, particularly rim protecting tools that they just currently don't have. I might be oversimplifying, but who are all the Jazz great defensive players? <laughs> they're, they're, I, I don't know a ton of them. One of them plays. Yeah, Gobert's basically a top ten defense. Exactly. By himself. Like it's not like they have these incredible on-ball guys, and you go, "Wow, they just wipe you out." It's been like play a certain way, feed everybody to Gobert, and then the ball doesn't go in the basket because he's standing there. None of us is saying that's who Wiseman is, but there's some potential there. Certainly far more than some, a lot of the other guys they played at that position. Certainly far more than the other guys they do have at that position right now. That could help them more than drafting Anthony Edwards or Lamella Ball could. Let's put it that way. We talked about, you wrote a story on, you know, the... Anthony Davis and Jokic, you know, it's a, the West is now the bubble show. The West has got some really big guys that are going to be hard to match up with. You have to figure out how to do that. Well, also, Jamal Murray looked pretty good, and Damian Lillard looked pretty good, and Devin Booker looked pretty good, and, and who's guarding them? It might just be, like, just draft a center. Hopefully, that he helps you with everything. But, like, game, whatever game they play Denver, who's guarding Jamal Murray. I mean, you better hope it's Clay Thompson. You know, it's Clay or Michael Mulder. Well, I mean, not not to get back to last week's discussion, but it doesn't sound like the worst option. (laughs) The Mulder-Wiseman defensive formula by Anthony Slater. We've, 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 We've done it. We've dialed it up. Aggregate that. Slater's called it the new defense led by Mulder and, and Wiseman. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, that kind of brings us to the, you know, a discussion about the money situation. That's the CBA, the tax stuff, you know, the aim was by the end of October, which is very soon, to have at least pretty much firm what the salary cap slash luxury tax number was going to be. And that is an important piece of information for every team in the league, particularly going to free agency, but really the Warriors who are going to decide like what what is their appetite for spending this summer. The weird thing is they're going to know that, which is an important piece of info, but by the time they need to decide to use the $17.2 million exception or every you know how much their roster is going to be going into the season – I don't think they're going to know if at all they're going to get fans in the arena. They almost need to operate like no fans are going to be there. Remember last week we were talking about it's going to not be Christmas. They're moving off. They're February. And now it's like, okay, it's Christmas. It's going to be December 22. I think that's, as John Hollinger wrote, and I was thinking the same thing. It's basically you're saying there's not going to be fans in the arena, at least for the first half of the season. But you know what? You can't wait forever. What if you wait until February, which means a 50-game season, and you still don't have fans in the arena? I get the decision they had to make better a 72 game season with 72 games on television and you don't have fans then you wait and you lose 22 games and you still don't have fans you know you want to satisfy those local tv requirements and we know they're they're, they're huge in in many cases but yes the warriors are hurt by losing fans almost as much or more than anybody in the league and they're probably least likely to get them back considering like the governmental appetite in each state and what they're willing to allow and believe me i'm, I'm happy with it given that the county is, is was one of the safest uh, yeah look at this look at the numbers virus. currently still i'm fine with it but i do think that that affects somehow what they're willing to pay you know we're, we're talking luxury tax no matter what how deep into luxury tax any new acquisition they they make is going to be double or almost triple that cost from what I sense, everyone says, hey, Joe, you never know with Joe. Joe Lacob, you know, if it comes down to it, I've seen it a time and again, it's going to cost a lot. And he says, if it's really going to help us try to win a championship, let's do it. Now you're hearing it's going to have to be a very special player, though. Like, it would really have to be somebody they know. And I don't think it's going to be 17.2. It's, it's going to be some fraction of that. What kind of fraction? Depends on the player. It could be 10 million, could be 12 million. But I just I don't see them going, let's just go get that guy who's making 16 million just because he's pretty good. He could be our second center. You know, I, I don't see them doing that. It, it's going to you know, have to be someone. This is a rotation player who's going to win games in the playoffs for us. We know this. Now, who that player is, what that exact line is, I don't know. But if you said you get Bradley Beal, now, and they probably can't at this point. But let, let's just say it's that level player. I think they do it. If we're talking trade exception, like, sure, if, like, you know, you swing something draft night where a market smart suddenly he's on the roster because Boston wants to trade up and wants to shed some salary or you know we've talked about Josh Richardson I know you're a big Josh Richardson fan I mean and that's I where guy. we talk about the need for wing and guard defense 
you know, and they're going to have to make that decision before they really truly know what the financial damage of next season is going to be. It's been such a in the future decision, but it's coming up now. Now, I would put it the other way saying, man, you know, the rest of the league is thinking the same way. And you might have a rare chance to get to the front of the line of these when it would normally have been 12 teams ready to go. And the Warriors, hey, they're not making as much money as they thought they would, clearly. But I don't think they're losing money. And they've made an incredible amount of money the last three, four years. And I know businesses don't think like that, right? They don't go, oh, we made a lot of money last year, so that means we could cut into the profits this year. They don't think like that, but you could. And you could say, how do the Warriors best set themselves up for a continued run through the final years of Steph Curry and past? might be to take advantage of this moment in time and swallow that pill and say, we're not getting $6 million of gate revenue a game, but this is the time when the Pacers aren't getting $2 million a game. And, you know, the, the Lakers aren't getting $5 million a game. And, who are X, X, and let's show what true financial power is it's going through a dark year and still paying money now i don't expect them to pay up all of it you can't expect a team to go to you know 350 million dollar payroll whatever would be adding on luxury tax but you can see them getting close to 300 and that would probably adding one more player and if you're talking about finding value if you're talking about light years if you're talking about a team that is always thinking ahead you act like the A's and say, oh, we'll just, you know, we made money last year, but we're not making this year, so, so to hell with it. Or do you act like the Warriors? You act like a team, or the Yankees. You act like a team that knows you're going to make money in the future, that knows you're going to make a ton of money in the future. And the best way to ensure you keep making money in the future is to spend money now. You got to spend money to make money. I've heard Joe Lacob say that a few times to me. And we'll see. Again, there is a limit to it. I'm not saying it's unlimited. I'm not saying because you made $200 million in the last two years, of course, spend it all. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if you get that rare time to get somebody that other teams would be bidding on extremely hot and heavy in another in a non-pandemic year and you still have that reserve of cash. Now they build a, a arena. I mean, listen, it's not this all cash flow. We know that. And I'm told that often. It's still money they got. And it's still money that they know they're going to make in the future. So maybe you get a little more risky. Maybe. I'm not saying for sure, but maybe. Maybe you spend up to 14 of, instead of 17, instead of zero. The zero is, is the big question here because what will make the decision very interesting to me is if it comes down to it and they don't have that special opportunity, they don't have that like Josh Richardson just because Philly's trying to get off of him or even something you know that, that gets packaged into a star. And it's like your options are Rudy Gay because he'll be your seventh man. If you really look at the price tag on that, what's that going to be like 30 something million to just have Rudy Gay as your seventh man? But it would be interesting if it came down to it and and it's, you know, 24 hours from expiring and it's like either you get nothing for really a, a tool, a weapon that we've talked about now for about, you know, a year and a half as such an important tool for them to get trampoline back into contention. And the option would be maybe something like, you know, I mentioned the James Johnson bridge opportunity. Would they be willing to go, you know, we'll eat the financial bullet. We don't have the special opportunity now, but we can't let it go for nothing. If you get James Johnson in there, you extend the opportunity, the window to, to maybe get an Aaron Gordon down the road or somebody at the deadline that, that fits into it. Uh, Miles Turner, if Indiana season doesn't go that well, 
or are they saying, well, that's just too risky to, br- to bring someone in that won't really help much in the rotation is going to cost an absurd amount of money just for the opportunity to maybe get a special opportunity down the road. That will show you right there, like how much of an appetite there really is for spending. Yeah. That one might, there might be, the line might be drawn in front of that one. You don't know. I think they would have to really feel that this is going to lead them somewhere, like really feel it. And I can see them saying, they would never tell us that, but I could see them kind of telling themselves, isn't that what Andrew Wiggins is kind of for too? Well, that's what the Russell move was about, right? It was about just getting, we don't, like, you know, they were like, we don't necessarily want Russell, but get him in. Durant was basically the trade exception in this situation where it was like, does Durant leave for nothing or do they leverage Durant into bringing the Russell salary, you know, amount in and then suddenly that salary amount becomes Wiggins? Of course, getting Wiggins made them have to trade Iguodala. It did, but, but guess what? Other... Through that maneuver, <laughs> yeah. they get the Wolves. They get the Wolves' entire 2021 draft. They have their first and second round picks next year. So you know you got to calculate that into no question. Which is one, one other reason why I think they might do something like that is to maintain the value of trading Andre Iguodala, which is partly was that exception. You are getting rid of him for nothing. In fact, you are giving up a future first round pick to move him off because you're hard cap, but you're getting that trade exception. So I think there will be. There's the whole sunk cost and don't keep doing things just because you did something before. But I, th- I think there would be some motivation to make sure that they're not walking away from Andre Godala for nothing. Or they could try to acquire Andre Godala. Sure, we'll we'll get some about. bad <laughs> PR the day that, that exception expires. From our website, too, because, I mean, we're that, what do you think the story on our website will be that day? Like, they just let a valuable tool go for zero. What did they just watch Houston do? You know, possibly blow a chance at their window by getting off of contracts to stay out of luxury tax. And we'll mention Tillman Fertitta just in, in Ethan's honor here. Uh, you know, Daryl Morey had to get off of guys and they're, and you know, they're, they're counting on Daniel house at the end of the season, literally counting on Daniel house at the end that of the season. That didn't go well. That didn't go great. It hadn't gone great against the Warriors in, in, in several playoff series and Oklahoma city, you know, once in a lifetime collection of talent and, what happened there, they had to get rid of Harden because they had to stay at a luxury tax and, and various other maneuvers. And, and well-run team, we all know that. But the Warriors have been taking advantage of that, I would have to say. over the, Like, you know, one of the reasons Durant left, I think you'd say this is true in Oklahoma City, one of the reasons is that, you know, they didn't keep the talent they had. They had James Harden. They might have won a championship. They won a championship with Durant there. The Warriors have to deal with that instead of beating them once and then signing Durant. So the Warriors are looking at these other teams, and the Warriors are making all this money. Again, I'm not saying they have to spend the 17.2. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying, though, one of the reasons they've been who they've been for all these years, and one of the reasons that we consider them potentially on par with the Lakers, although we'll see over, over the years, is that they have this money, they've made this money, they've capitalized on the money, and they spent the money. If they go zero at the deadline to use the 17.2, that would be a little, you know, not, you know, they're in luxury tax. It's different than the Houston, but I would say there would be echoes of what the what the Rockets did. There would be echoes of what Chris Cohan did. That was one of the big blows with, with Chris Mullen is when they had a trade exception. They could have put Mike Miller in that in the drive the year after we believe they went 48 and don't make the playoffs. And one of the reasons they didn't is they weren't deep enough. And Chris Mullen had a deal to get Mike Miller at the trade deadline. It was rejected because it would have put him in the tax. That's not a thing we've ever said about Joe Lacob, right? Ever. That's just not been an issue. 
And this would be the first time you go, okay, they made decisions strictly based on finances. If it's zero, if it's zero, if it's if it's eight, if it's ten, whatever, I, I don't think there's a big qualm about that because we know. Well, they the would at least have a tangible thing to say, hey, get, look, there's here's a player that was the result of the trade exception. If it's nothing, then, you know, it's a little, it's a mega version of this, but I guess, I guess what this would have been like 2017 draft, 2016 drafts where the league year was running up. They hadn't used their amount of money that you can in a deal. And they went out and bought Jordan Bell from the Bulls. They went out and bought Patrick McCoy. I think it was from Memphis. I, I don't remember exactly who they bought the pick from. Milwaukee, maybe? Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. Well, then there you go. You know, when we talk about the Giannis situation. But, you know, they found teams that were willing to literally, for pure financial gain, sell them a valuable draft pick. And I know Jordan Bell and Patrick McCoy haven't become, you know, six men. But that year, Jordan Bell started some finals games. Patrick McCaw had a moment in an NBA finals game. They helped the rotation the years they were here. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Do they beat Houston in that playoff series without Jordan Bell? I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, and that's a second-round pick that, the, that was just money. It all cost them was money. So, yeah, they've taken advantage. And they, and this is not – I'm not criticizing them for spending money, spending money, and one time not. But it is – it would be different. It would definitely be different. Again, it's a pandemic, all those things. Yes, that has changed it. But remember, they ducked the tax. Part of the Wiggins trade – and part of the reason why they eventually pulled the trigger on it was because they could get off Evans and Spellman in that deal to duck the tax. And when they explained it in their press conference, they admitted that that was part of the motivation. And they said, it's because of how much we are going to spend this summer. That's what they said. And so then if they don't go and spend it, then you're not even just talking about letting this the trade exception expire. You're talking about, well, you also duck the tax. And now it's like, it's a very mini pattern for a team that has, you know, Earn the benefit of the doubt, but it's a pattern. Although giving up Evans and Spellman probably wasn't the uh, the uh, end all be all for talent acquisition, but no question, no question. They talked to tax other times it's in order not to be that three out of four years and you're the you know the repeater and all those things. But they took Andrew Wiggins' contract back. You know, not a lot of teams would have done that, and they did it, and that puts them in the tax forever as long as they have Steph and Clay and Draymond and they have those contracts for a while. So all this is true. Uh, it just it just sets up for a very interesting decision. And the people who know Lakeup are essentially saying it might not be the full thing, but 
if it's worthwhile, he'll do it to a certain extent. And I, I imagine those things are, are, are what are on the whiteboard right now involved with the pick. But he's going to want to win. Like, you know, Joe Lega sat there and watched the team stink in his first season at Chase Center. You think he's motivated to not have them stink next season? Who, If they're fans in there or not? I mean, it's going to be. And, and that TV deal is reopeners coming up pretty soon. And believe me, they've been stewing about under, you know, being underpaid for that. And that was part of the whole sale as Joe took some money, for, uh, some upfront cash from from Comcast at that point or NBC Sports Bay Area, however you want to call it. And so that it lengthened the deal a little bit. But, you know, it's part of how making the, getting the cash on hand to buy the team. But they put in the reopener and, you know, they're vast, vastly undervalued as a TV property. I mean, ratings they put up during that five year run. So they want that open again, and they want you know what what the Lakers getting 150 million a year or something like that, and, and the Warriors Warriors are like half of that, and they're clearly worth something closer to 150 than they are probably at 70. You know that's another 50 million a year they can, might be able to get, and they're going to want a good team. At that I'll get point. you a Rudy Gay. <laughs> yeah, you know th- this is the millions we're talking about, and I think the the thing to, that's credible about Lakeb and Goober is that we know it just doesn't go in their pockets, right? I mean, they've spent enough. They've they've committed enough money. They're paying huge money to the coaching staff and to their general manager president and to, you know, their players and to their training staff. And they built Chase Center. They're not just saying, okay, that's great. Put in my money and go build another steakhouse. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on Tillman Fertitta. My bad. There's a steakhouse coming to Chase. There is a Chase. There is one. I hope it's a good one. And, you know, I think they're going to spend as much as is reasonable, and we'll see what they feel is reasonable to this extent, and we'll see what's available. I do think there is a moment when you say, God, we can spend more than Indiana can. We can spend more than Philadelphia can. We can spend more than Boston can. If they're going to duck, if they're going to, you know, blink in this moment, which you understand, but if they are, why not just jump in here? If, we, if you know you can get a great deal, if you know it, we'll see if that deal comes up. Yeah, I mean, but part of the calculation is also, man, they're really about to have the most expensive roster in league history and present it to no fans. And not even just about the money aspect of not having any fans, but like, you know, Joe Lakeham's the showman, right? He wants to be there courtside, like in his palace, showing all, not just his tech billionaires, but everyone in the arena, like, look at my stadium, look at the entertainment product outside and now look at the product i've delivered on the floor and if that's being shown to nobody in j center that's got to eat at the motivation to spend it all you know at some point there, that there's going to be fans back in there and how good is the team going to be if you get this opportunity this season who says you're going to have the opportunity to get somebody next in fact if you lose a trade exception you absolutely don't have the same opportunity right that's that's the opportunity so um yeah we'll, we'll see i mean Six million dollars per home game is a lot of money not to get, and all those concerts and the restaurants that are not being filled up, no question about it. But every other team is going through the same thing. Again, this isn't a team that just started making a lot of money. This is a team that's made an incredible amount of money for at least three seasons when the, when the tickets really started getting jacked up at Oracle and continued. And, and by the way, they took the, all that money for the for the uh, whatever the, the membership program, right? They're not giving that money back. That, all, that money's still coming in. And, you know, it's $300 million or $400 million, whatever that number is. That It's a loan to the Warriors. Part of that, I think, assumed understanding is that the Warriors would be a great team through much of these 30 years of this membership. So at some point, something's out there. Again, you know, Steph Curry, you can just roll out Steph Curry. People are going to watch it. And you roll out Steph Curry, you're going to be pretty good for a couple of years. But 
can you be a championship level team? Can you at least make the argument that you can be in the championship hunt? I don't know that this team can say that. But again, there's a draft and there's a free agency. There's there's things to do with this this roster. But I do think there's some implication that with all this money that people pay to watch the Warriors and have paid, they will do what you know, not the maximum they can, but very close to it to make sure this roster is is within reasonable discussion of a championship. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a way to end this golden era with good feelings between your superstars and the organization. You know, it's it's Steph Curry's era going to end here. Like, man, we didn't spend to try to win one more, two more times. Or is he going to be like, even if they don't win again, is he going to be like, well, at least... Everyone was on the same page trying. That is important to keep, you know, the most famous person probably in your franchise's history, maybe? I don't know. Like, do you think he's going to... Three championships, two MVPs, yes. Who is going to be a very important figure for you for the next four decades, right? Like, for the rest of his life, like, how around will he be? You know, you see Michael Jordan never back in Chicago. Like, you're going to want to keep Steph Curry as the guy that at any point he can come back, he can stay courtside. Maybe he's part of the ownership group. Maybe, you know, he's whatever he wants to be, basically. But does he want to always be a part of your organization? That's usually matters how it ends, right? I mean, the reason why Jordan and Chicago aren't there, it's not because he didn't like something when they were winning titles. It was what It was the end. And how does this end? Yeah, and I think they owe it to I mean, not just Steph, but Draymond and Clay, who are not—they're not old, you know. They're not young, but they're early thirties, and that means you still have some run left in you. And for what they've done for this franchise, for what they lifted the franchise—those three guys, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers—you can add whoever else, but it's those three guys. They want to win. They don't want to be playing on a mediocre team. They don't want to be playing on an ace seed. They want to be playing on a team with, with, you know, big, big home games in the conference finals or, or finals. And Curry himself took way too, you know, was being underpaid for how, you know, an incredible amount during this. But he was okay, did not complain about it and continued to, and, and played incredible basketball. So I do think they owe some of that to them. And again, doesn't mean they owe them everything. Doesn't mean that there are no limits to this. Doesn't mean that who cares if they're you know paying four hundred million in, in a payroll. Doesn't mean that. It just means within reason, with every reasonable effort to make this roster as good as possible. And I think they'll do it. I mean, I think Joe Lego will do that. Except you know, again, it's not going to be crazy. It's not going to be Kelly Olynyk just because he can do Kelly Olynyk. But there will be pieces put into place. That they can tell themselves, like they told themselves, the Wiggins, you know, for for Russell, that was ma- making them a better basketball team. Getting Russell for, you know, when you could have otherwise gotten nothing for Durant, made them a better better basketball team. They could have let Durant go and not taken that money back, but they took the money in order to make sure they had some value for this, and they did have some value. I mean, I'm not a Russell guy. He had basketball value. And Wiggins has some lesser basketball value, but you got that number one pick from Minnesota next season. So the sense is that they're going to do something, but I also think they owe it just to Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and and to Kerr, and to everyone you know who's been there through it. There's not that many of them, those four, but and some of those fans paying those. Yes, no question, prices. no question, no question, and who and also who paid that's the the membership program money, you know, which was not cheap, not cheap at all. I don't know if they're all the way sold out on the membership, but they're close to it. And that's 30 years of money that you're paying to Joe Lake and Peter Goober to get those seats. And there's a, some amount of trust in that. There's some faith that this is not going to turn into something bad, that this is going to be something that they want to go to for 30 years. 
and they're they're putting that money in in Lake Up and Goober's hands to make sure that that happens. So so we'll see. Uh, again, not, I'm not trying to be overly harsh on this. When you're a rich team, you know you certainly have some responsibilities to act like a rich team. I guess is what I'm saying. And you better hit on that number two overall. <laughs> that too. Well, let's you know. Let's have about 18 more other gossip about who they're going to pick at number two. Let's, we got plenty of time for that. Well, there's more than 18 days. I think there's almost <laughs> about 18 days left. So. Hey, we did, we did a podcast without Marcus and Ethan. Oh, my man. And, you know, I would say next week they'll come back and we're going to do a draft preview, but mm, you know what next week is. <laughs> I know. It is that day. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's see. Yeah, I was like, I was really looking at my podcast and going, hmm, am I going to book somebody on that day? <laughs> Maybe not. Might be some other more important stories here. Countrywide. There might be some things to distract yourself, but maybe we need a podcast or two just to just to talk it out before the polls close. Uh, a broad hint about what we're talking about. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I just was thinking about like uh, if I'm trying to book somebody, you know, some major heft here. Well, that person even want to talk to me on that day because like, we're try we're for gonna, Monday. Yeah, we're going to be focusing on a lot of other things. Well, or Wednesday, and maybe it won't be good to talk well, to. I them don't anyway. know if Wednesday is going to be. <laughs> I don't think Tuesday that they're. You know, I don't think we wake up Wednesday like, oh, that was an interesting night. Well, no. let's move on to the next. No, one. no, it probably will not be like that. So, hey, we're doing a little political analysis here. Let's throw it all in there. All right, all right. Next week, maybe some more draft. Definitely in the next two weeks. Hopefully, Ethan and Marcus, you know, come off vacation or whatever. They're like, hey, let's do a draft preview this week. Let's do a draft preview. And then we're just me and later and no Ethan and Marcus. But, hey, that's the way it goes. I think we we did a good G League level fill-in-the-gaps podcast. Maybe even a little. 50. Yeah, maybe even a little better than that. Maybe, maybe. But... Uh, I don't think we're going to get offloaded for uh, to duck under luxury tax. I think we we're not we saved, in and, uh, <laughs> we saved our we saved our roster spots with this one just for a little bit. All right, we will talk to you hopefully next week if if the world is still intact. I uh, see you guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.